0: If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Exodus 14. You're going to have to listen faster than you have ever listened before. Uh, If you're reading along with us in a 100-day challenge this forward week, looking forward, uh, we're going to read about Moses uh, leading the Israelites toward the promised land. And By the end of this coming week, we will uh, be in the battle of Jericho and the promised land will be before us. But this last week, we, we saw the Israelites in bondage in Egypt, and they were suffering, and they were going through difficulty. But God stepped in, and God brings liberation to, uh, to the Israelites. And on Friday, we read that they were finally free. Uh, some two million Israelites, we believe, were leaving Egypt, headed toward the Promised Land, and they get as far as the Red Sea And then something terrible happens. In fact, I think it is one of the scariest moments in all of the Bible. I mean, that's arguable, of course, but this is a frightening moment that we come to right here in Exodus chapter 14. The people must have been so excited that they were finally free, headed to the promised land. They get to the Red Sea. They decide to camp one more night and they wake up the next morning and what do they see? But the Egyptians in their chariots with their battle cry coming over the hill because they've changed their mind and now they're going to slaughter the Israelites. Some two million Israelites slaughtered on the shores of the Red Sea and and they don't know what to do. They can't run because there's the sea behind them. They can't fight. There's no hope against the chariots of the Egyptians. What are they going to do? It would have been the scariest moment in their lives, as I said, perhaps the scariest moment in all of Old Testament history, what's going to happen? You've heard the phrase, caught between a rock and a hard place. They were caught between a rock and a hard place. They were caught between the Red Sea and the advancing army. What are they going to do? Well, I want us to see the answer to that and and you know some of the story, perhaps. Uh, but I want, to, I want you to think before we get there, what has been the scariest moment in your life? Uh, when was the time that you were filled with the greatest fear? I think for me it was um, maybe 15, uh, 15 years ago or so. I had, um, I, had hurt, hurt, I had fallen and hurt my leg. And I went to the, went to the doctor because my, my feet were swelling and, and, I, and I didn't know what the deal was. And so the doctor said, uh, well, we need to do a chest x-ray. And I thought, well, what chest x-ray? I came because my feet are swollen. I thought, well, maybe there's just a boat payment or something you know, needs to be made. And, you know, I mean, I know doctors would never do that. But, uh, so they do the chest x-ray, and then the doctor calls me into his office. It never occurred to me that a doctor would actually have an office in the office, I mean, you know, with a desk and leather chairs. And so I sit in the doctor's office. I'm scared to death. And then he puts an a, uh, uh, x-ray up on one of those white lighted boards next to his desk. I mean, now it's all electronic, but this is way back in the olden days. And so he puts that up there and it's obviously my chest X-ray and there's just this big white spot in the middle. And he said, what is that? And I said, you're asking me. (laughs) He said, I've never seen anything like that. And it uh, it was just a big ball. My wife confirmed that I didn't have a heart, so it wasn't that. (laughs) So one thing led to another, and he said, I don't know what this is, but it's got to come out. you got to get in the hospital. Uh, you got to go to uh, a a large hospital uh, in the next city over, and they're going to cut you in two and pull this out. And and I just knew I was going to die. I knew this is the end. Uh, I didn't have any life insurance, which is the subject of another sermon I'll preach one day. Um, I think I was more scared about that than anything. I wasn't scared of dying. I knew the Lord. Uh, but I, I was worried for my family, and you know, what are you going to do? Uh, what are you going to do? And, and it turned out to be um, to be nothing of any of any real significance. But but I was scared to death. What was the time in your life when you have been filled with the greatest fear? Well, what should you do? What should you do? Well, let's look into Scripture. When we're f- filled with fear, we should do what these Israelites did. And so I want to read to you a few verses. Uh, Exodus 14, 10 says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. And the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. And so here's their fear. They are terrified. Verse 11, they, uh, they said to Moses, uh, It is because there are no graves. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? That was just crazy talk, right? Now they're scared. They're blaming it on Moses. Moses, did you just bring us out here so we could die on the beach and they wouldn't have to dig any graves in Egypt? I mean, why have you done this? That's crazy. Of course he didn't do that. I mean, he was going to die with the rest of them. He was as surprised as anybody. But you know, when we get afraid, sometimes we say crazy things and sometimes we do unwise things and and we see that right, right here. Now look down to verse 13. Uh, But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm. See the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Uh, Moses said, God's going to take care of of this. Uh, Verse 15, the Lord then speaks. And he said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And as for me, I'm going to harden the heart to the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all of his army and his chariots and his horsemen. And so God says, Moses, we're going to divide the sea. Moses raises his staff. God divides the sea so the Israelites can go through on dry land. Uh, He says here that uh, the Egyptians will follow and... They will die. Look at verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea with a powerful east wind all that night, and it turned the sea into dry land. And so the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on the right and to the left. Now, just think of that. That would have been difficult, right? The waters piled up on either side. That'll be important when we get to the end of the message. And so they go through on dry ground. Verse 23, the Egyptians set out in pursuit all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen, and they went into the sea after them. So they just follow. This probably wasn't the smartest military tactic, but they did. Verse 26, we're skipping a few verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians. And so the Egyptians are there between the two walls of water. And so God brings them back together, the walls of water Verse 27, so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea returned to its normal depth. And while the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground uh, with the waters like a wall to them on the right and on the left. Now, I want to show you from this uh, very quickly how it is that we can face fear in a way that will give us peace and a way that will honor the Lord. Now, let me give you a disclaimer before I get to the four things. These four things are only for children of God. If if you're not a child of God, if you've never been saved, then I'm going to have something to say to you at the end of the message. But these four things are only for people who know Christ as their savior, who have put their trust in him, who have repented of their sins, who have been forgiven. These things are true of you. Number one, how to face fear, lean on God's track record of faithfulness. You notice the very first command that Moses gave in verse 13 was this, don't be afraid. Now doesn't that seem like a silly command? How can you command somebody not to be afraid? That's like telling somebody don't hurt or quit worrying. We don't have control over whether or not we're afraid, right? But the Bible has no commands that can't be obeyed. There are no worthless words in the Bible. And so if the Bible says, don't be afraid, there is some foundation here upon which you can be brave. There is a way to not be afraid. And so how in these verses do we see a way for the people to not be afraid? If that's the command, don't be afraid, how are they to do that? Well, it's pretty clear here. If you've read the whole story, uh, they had seen the hand of God in their lives, especially over the last two weeks, in just a remarkable way. God had brought these plagues against Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God had proven himself stronger than Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Just a couple of nights before, God had caused the death angel to come over, and every firstborn son in the land died, except the firstborn sons of the Israelites, because they had. Uh, obeyed the command surrounding the Passover and the death angel passed over them. The Israelites had seen the hand of God. And so when he says, don't be afraid, what he's saying is, remember how faithful God has been. And because God has been faithful in the past, you can have courage in the present and in the future. And so when we are afraid, because there's some health issue or because a health issue with a loved one, because of a financial issue or a work issue or a school issue, when we are afraid, a relationship issue perhaps, we need to look to how God has been faithful to us in the past. And because God has been faithful then, we know that we can trust him without fear today. Does that make sense? Let me give you the three R's very quickly of combating fear. And these aren't in your outline, but you could jot them down. First of all, remember. When you're fearful, remember. Remember how God has worked in your life. Remember how God has worked in the lives of people around you. And remember how God has worked in the lives of people you've read of in scripture, remember. Number two, rehearse. Rehearse what God has done. And the more fear comes, the more you need to rehearse in your mind how God has been faithful in the past. Pray and thank God for the specific ways He has come for you. It's a song that uh, Andre leads us in from time to time. Uh, that I love. Count your many blessings. Do you know the song? Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God hath done. That is that is pure gold. Don't just remember. Rehearse it. Rehearse it. Say it aloud. God, you have been faithful to me. Talk to your family about the faithfulness of God in the past. Rehearse God's faithfulness. And then finally, rejoice in it. That's your third R. Rejoice. God, you have been faithful in the past. You will be faithful in the future. And I rejoice in that. How do you face fear? Number one, lean on God's track record of faithfulness. Number two, you need to let patience give God a chance to show his faithfulness. Let patience give God a chance. Now, if we look back at verse 13, the first command that Moses gave was, don't be afraid. The second command is, stand firm. Stand firm. Why would God tell them to stand firm? Well, they were beginning to lose their minds. They were telling um, Moses that he had brought them out here just because it was easier to bury them in in the sand than it was back in, in Egypt today. They were losing their mind. But, but Moses says, listen, just calm down a minute and let's wait and see what God is going to do. I love how this reads in the NLT, which is a sort of a half translation, half paraphrase Bible. And sometimes I look verses up in there. Listen to how that Bible reads. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. I know know when you're, when I'm counseling with somebody, sometimes they're facing fear and they're just, uh, they're just going berserk because of it. Well, what's the first step? What is the first thing you want to tell that person to do? You just got to calm down. Give God a chance to do something. Give God a chance to work. That's what the Israelites needed to do. God is not surprised by the situation. God has a plan in your situation to show himself faithful. And the biggest enemy to God's plan to show himself faithful in the midst of your fear is you not waiting on him. The biggest, listen to that, the biggest obstacle to to you seeing the the hand of God in your life when you're in the middle of the storm is you not waiting to see the hand of God. Slow down, stand firm, see what God is going to do. Number three. We need to take obedience one step at a time. It's interesting in verse 15, when God gives his first command, he says, uh, move forward. He says, it's time to go. Now why was that a difficult command? Well because moving forward, the Red Sea was there. And God says, listen, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pack up all our stuff and we're going to go that way. Now that was a hard command because that way was the Red Sea. They couldn't swim. They didn't have a boat. The water was deep. They didn't bring their swimming suits. I mean, it was all kinds of problems. Now, they could have asked questions. Well, God, if we pack up our camp and start moving, we're not going to be able to get very far. We can't, all the problems. Now, listen, here, here's an important lesson. There are going to be times when you're not going to know the answer for what happens three days, three weeks, or three years from now. But that's not really your business until God makes that your business. You just need to do what God says to do now. What they didn't know is God was gonna divide the Red Sea. God was gonna make a way. They needed to just trust that God knew what he was doing. If God said pack up the camp and start heading that way, whether there was a sea there or not, they just needed to be obedient in the beginning. What do we need to do when we face fear? Do what you know to do. Well, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen in a month or a year. Well, neither do I. But God has a plan, and your responsibility is just to do what you know to do. Just take the first step and let God uh, handle the next step. Well, number four, very quickly, if we're going to face fear, we have to anticipate the tambourine day. Uh, That's a hard word to spell. You can see it up there on the screen. I had to check it in the dictionary, but that is how to spell it. Now it's interesting, Uh, do you know the rest of the story? They do get through the Red Sea, the Egyptian army chases after, God brings the water back down, the Egyptian army dies. What do you think it must have been like when they stood on the other side of the Red Sea and looked back and saw the Egyptian army destroyed and freedom was theirs? They were headed to the promised land freedom was theirs. They were victors. There was no more enemy. They must've been celebrating. They must've been dancing and shouting and high-fiving and all those. I mean, they were so excited. It was their tambourine day. In fact, you might just want to bookmark Exodus chapter 15. This is a great chapter to read when you're going through fearful times, when you don't know what's going to happen, when you're scared to death. Read chapter 15. Read it again and again and again. Let this be a reminder to you of this. There's going to be a tambourine day. There's going to be a celebration. Now, I want you to look with me at verse 20 and verse 21. We don't have time to read the whole chapter, but two verses we do. Verse 20 says, Then the prophetess Miriam, Aaron's sister took a tambourine in her hand and all the women came out following her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, uh, Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted and he has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. Listen, I brought one. I'm not going to do a dance just because I don't have enough time. I'd planned on it. It was truly their tambourine day. And so now just the previous day, they thought they were going to die and they were concerned about why they were going to be buried in the sand and not the dirt, right? I mean, that was, their, that was basically their only, only thing. Are we going to be buried here or over there? Now they have complete freedom. It's a tambourine day. Now, I, I don't want to be cheesy here, but I know I'm close to it. So, so listen, listen carefully. You need to know when things are bleak, when there seems to be no hope, When you call the counselor and they say, I don't know. When you call the pastor and he just says, when you call every, you just don't know. There's no way out. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. If you're a child of God, you can bank on this. There's a tambourine day. That's how good our God is. And you know what I would suggest you do? And some of you are probably going through those hopeless times right now. So this is for you right now. Some of us, we're not there right now, but we're liable to be there in a week or a month. I want you to remember this. If you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, you need to go to Walmart and buy you a tambourine. And you need to write on there, Exodus 15, 20, and 21. And you need to wake up every morning. And you need to shake that tambourine and say, I don't know if it's Today. But I will make it through this day because I know on God's calendar there's a tambourine day. There's a tim- How do we face fear and honor God through it? We know that God has on his calendar for us a tambourine day. Hey, I want to show you, and I know we're way out of time. I want to show you one more thing here. Can I do that? You know, In, in every historical account in the Old Testament, uh, the focus is Jesus. We don't often see that. We don't pause to draw attention to it as often as we should, but there is. And in this story, where's Jesus? Well, this whole account of of the Israelites being rescued through the Red Sea is really a picture of our salvation. You think about it. Before the Red Sea was divided, the people were hopeless because the enemy was coming. There was no chance of escape. That is a picture of a person who doesn't know Christ. You're guilty of sin. We're all guilty of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and says God will not overlook any sin. You will be punished. You will have eternal death because of your sin. And there's no hope. You can't fix it. You can't undo it. You can't pay for it. It's hopeless. Unless what? Unless God provides a way. And now for the, for the Israelites, God provided a way, right? He, he opened the Red Sea so that there would be a way for them to escape. And for people today, for me and for you, for people today, God has provided a way. And the way is Jesus Christ. And God has has sent Jesus to come, and he paid the debt for our sin. See, the debt for my sin has to be paid, and as long as it was mine to pay, it was hopeless. But God sent Jesus, and he became the way. He paid the penalty for my sins. And now, see now it's up to to me, up to you. For, For the Israelites, when God opened the way, were they rescued then? No, if they would have stayed in the camp, they would have been slaughtered by the Egyptians. No, they had to walk that path. That would have been a scary path to walk. You you think about it, that may have been the hardest thing they ever did, just to step out there and, and, and see that wall of water on either side of you, knowing that it could come together at any moment, not being able to explain exactly what was holding it back. In order to walk through that path, they had to trust that God would be true to his word. Now, in order for you to walk the path of Jesus, you have to trust that Jesus is enough for the forgiveness of your sins. You have to surrender your life to him, repent from your sins, and say, Lord, I belong to you. But You know, just as uh, the pathway brought salvation for the Israelites, because not of their, it wasn't because they were, they beat the Egyptians in battle, it wasn't because they had some Virtue or some skill or some knowledge now. It's just because of God's provision For us not because we're better than somebody not because we're really good at keeping the rules, but because of God's provision We too can be saved for the enemy I want to give you these blanks just because you'll ask me if I don't how is this like salvation number one because bondage is broken before uh, we're saved we're slaves to sin, just as the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. But once they went through, they no longer were slaves to the Egyptians, and and as as new as believers, we're no longer slaves to sin. The bondage is broken. The enemy is defeated. Uh, the the enemy for them was were the Egyptians and the Egyptians were oppressing them and mistreating them. And for us, the enemy is Satan, who accuses us and tempts us and 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 and, and says that. That we're not worthy of forgiveness. He condemns us, uh, but the enemy is destroyed in Jesus. And then finality is guaranteed. And, and, and I didn't, it's probably, I was trying to think of a better way of saying that, but, but, but this, is, this is important. The Bible says that when the Egyptians died, when the army died, how many of them died? Do you know, was it half, half the army no, it, it, it makes a point that they all died. And so the Israelites knew standing on, on the new side of the Red Sea that they would never face the Egyptian army and its oppression again. And you know, as a Christian, I will never face the condemnation or the wrath of God. It is final. It is final. Just so your head bowed and eyes closed. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, and I, I'm sorry, the first half of this message just I can't promise you that there will be a tambourine day. But I can promise you that God will make a way. And it's, it's Jesus. Would you trust him today? It's not an easy thing, just like it wasn't an easy thing to walk through those walls of water, but will you trust him today? If you will, he'll prove faithful. Father, as people make decisions today, maybe new, uh, new believers, a new believer decision, I pray you give them courage to put their trust in you for the first time. And Father, for those of us who know you but may be going through some dark times in life, you remind us that you are faithful and we can trust you. And there is a tambourine day on your calendar. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Thank you